Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. More than leaves, more than leaves. We're in week number three of this sermon series. And in case you haven't been here, let me just catch you up and kind of give you the overview of where we've been. Uh, We've been talking about how God really does desire our life to be more than leaves. The concept, we won't read it this morning for time's sake, but the concept of this series comes from a a passage in Mark chapter 11. Uh, Mark chapter 11, verse 12 through 14, uh, there's a story about Jesus. And the Bible says Jesus, he was hungry, and seeing a fig tree from afar, Jesus went to see if he would perhaps find some food from it. Uh, the Bible says that when he went, though, there was nothing but leaves. Now, this is significant because uh, we've said this every single week, but just catching you up, a fig tree, it always produces fruit before it produces leaves. So if you ever see a fig tree, I'm going to be honest, I'm not quite sure what a fig tree looks like um, off the top of my head, but if you ever see a fig tree... Uh, and, and it's covered in leaves, it is an indicator there's fruit there. J- Jesus goes, though, and there's no fruit there, and the Bible says Jesus, he curses this fig tree. It was a representation of, one, what Jesus had come to do, that the current religious system of the day, while it promised life and relationship with God, it did not deliver on its promise, and therefore Jesus had come once and for all to reconcile humanity back to back to, to, to our creator, creator God. But it also serves for a picture of you and, uh, for you and I of the life that God has called us to live, one that is more than leaves. There's a passage in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, verse, verse 5, where the apostle Paul says this. He says, in the last days, perilous times will come, and there will be people who have a form of godliness, who have an appearance of godliness, but have denied or, or not been partakers of all of its authenticity and, and all of its power. Every time I read that verse, I think of a story. Uh, I grew up playing hockey uh, from about kindergarten, first grade through high school. And I'll never, never forget being in a hockey uh, store. Really, it wasn't a hockey store. It was a play against sports in Southern California. And, um, you know, we, we were balling on a budget, if you know what I mean. And so we were looking for used pads and used gear. And I wanted these certain pads. I think they were like these mission. That's a hockey brand, these mission pads. So bad because a bunch of kids on my team had these pads. Doesn't make sense because your jersey covers it up, so it doesn't really matter. But I wanted them so bad. And um, partly because uh, we couldn't afford it, partly because it's like you're growing out of pads every year. Uh, my dad said, No, no, we're, we're going to buy these used pads. And I'll ne- never, never forget being upset. My dad saying this, Brandon, I would advise you, you spend more energy being a hockey player than, than you are trying to look like a hockey player. If that isn't good life advice, I don't know what is. Because we live in a culture and we live in a world that we spend so much time and money and energy and effort preoccupied with looking the part, preoccupied with, with, with the perception of other people, uh, looking like we're right, looking the part, rather than actually saying, no, God, I want to be right. I, I want to actually be the person you've called me to be. And this is the life that God has called us to live. It's great that we look good from the outside. It's great that our Instagram or our Facebook or our social media, that it indicates that we're doing well with God. But what really matters is is our life actually bearing fruit. 
Well, what, what is fruit? Well, we talked about this last week. Fruitfulness, it is Christ-likeness and Christ-mindedness. Fruitfulness is not what we've made it out to be in our American culture. Fruitfulness in God's kingdom, it is to be, to be more like Jesus. It is to say, God, I want you to do a work on the inside so that I'm actually becoming more like you, that I would live like, look like, love like you, and actually have the mind of Christ. Say, God, my life is not my own. This all is temporary. This is passing. And therefore, I'm giving my whole life endeavoring to say, how can I be a part of your mission on this planet? Because like Pastor Jenny said, Jesus is coming back. And when he does, the only thing we're bringing with us is people. The only, that's why Jesus said, don't lay up for yourself treasure on earth. Lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. What does that mean? Put your energy and your attention and your focus on your relationship with God and reaching people, helping to advance his kingdom. That's, that's what actually matters. Today, as we conclude our series, um, this, this short three-week series that we've been in, I want to take a little bit of a turn. I want to talk today uh, about not just being a fruitful person, but how do we become a fruitful church? The last week we talked about fruitfulness in our life, Christ-likeness, Christ-mindedness. Uh, Brandon, what, what is it that would, that would uh, indicate a fruitful church? Well, it's this simple phrase, it's soul saved and disciples made. There's a scripture, and I can't think of it off the top of my head, but it's, it's in First or Second Timothy, I believe, where, where Paul is writing, and Paul says this, it's the will of God for all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Do you know that it's actually God's will? It's God's desire that every single person on the planet come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, that they would have a revelation of who Jesus is, of his, of his love, of his great power, of his, his finished work, and would come to the knowledge that he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. Fruitfulness in, 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 in God's kingdom as it relates to our church, it's soul saved. It's people that are inside of our community who are desperate for the love and the life of God, having a revel, not a revelation of church, not a revelation of, of religious programming, not a, re a revelation of self-help in, the, in the, uh, the facade of, of Christianity. No, a revelation that Jesus is living today, that he is who he says he is and he can do what he said he, he can do. And then disciples made. People actually growing and maturing in relationship with God. Now, you may be thinking, Brandon, what does it matter that we talk about being a fruitful church? Like, that's your job, right? Like, we, we're the church attenders. We come. We, you know, we do, like, the church on Sunday thing. But, like, that's your job. Actually, the Bible says that our primary job as pastors, leaders, is the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, that we, you know, we, we used to say this, uh, you know, way back in the day, 2008, 2009, when Jenny and I were first doing youth ministry, um, that we are the church. We did a whole series, you know, we are the church. And um, the, that's the reality that we are the church. Like, it, the, the church is not a building. It's not a program. It's not a staff. The church is you and I. We are the church. And I'm going to talk today, how do we endeavor together to be a fruitful church? 
a church where God is moving, a church where we are seeing souls saved and disciples made. And just in case you're like, actually, I really don't care about that. Uh, not a big deal. You totally should care about that, but not a big deal. Um, because today's sermon also, it doubles as kind of part two to how do you live a fruitful life? So if you're here and you're like, Brandon, honestly, like I get it, but I don't really care. Fine. You should, but totally fine. Uh, th- this also doubles everything we're going to talk about, how you live the most fruitful life possible. How, how you experience the, the most power and presence of God and God's hand on your life and the fruitfulness God desires for you, for you individually too. So it's kind of like a, a two in one. So we're all included today. Someone said amen. Uh, so go with me, Acts chapter two, starting in verse 42. Uh, we're gonna read all the way through verse 47. And uh, while you're turning there, uh, this, is, this is a picture for you and I of what the community life of the early church looked like. I'll give you a little catch up. Acts chapter one, Jesus, he's leaving. And he says to his followers, I'm going back to the father, but the work is not done. I've started something and I'm handing you to continue this work, but you got to wait because you cannot do it on your own. You need the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, Acts 1, 4 through 8. And so the Bible says, Acts 1, 14, that they gathered together in an upper room and they prayed and they sought God. And Acts chapter 2, verse 1, suddenly the Bible says the Holy Spirit came like the sound of a mighty rushing wind. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, The Bible says simultaneously, this is kind of cool, verse 6, that the multitude was gathered together. Multitude was, get, was gathered together. Why is it such a big deal? Like this is not the notes, but why is it such a big deal that when we come on Sundays that um, like we bring with us full tanks, that we're not just coming in here just to be filled, but we, we, we're coming here. Yes, God will fill us, but we're coming here to pour out. Why does it matter that we're on time? Why does it matter that like we're engaging? Be, because what we see in Acts chapter two is that a house or a people filled with the spirit of God is a house and a people that God can draw people unto. And the Bible says simultaneously the Holy Spirit, like a sound of a mighty rushing wind, falls upon, uh, upon, upon the disciples. And verse six, and the multitude were gathered. And Peter stands up and Peter just starts preaching the gospel. He just starts talking about Jesus. And, and, and I love this, like the preacher's dream right here. Acts 2.37, he didn't even do an altar call. Someone interrupted the sermons like, hey, just real quick, um, on behalf of everyone listening, how do we get saved? I was the Holy Spirit was was cutting them to the heart. And how how do we get saved? And that day, about 3,000 people were added to the church. Now, this is is the start, the birth of the early church. And what we see in verse 42 uh, is, is what community life looked like. And here's what it says. And they continued steadfastly. Other translations say that they devoted themselves in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Verse 43, then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Verse 44, now all who believed were together. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God, having favor with all the people. And listen to this. And the Lord 
added to the church daily those who were being saved. And their great programming added to the, no, and, and the new fog machine added to the, and the Lord. See, the thing about fruitfulness, we touched on this last week, the thing about fruitfulness in any area, you have to remember, it's a God thing. It is, I mean, people are paying big money to go to conferences to, to learn, like, how do I be, the reality is, it's a God thing. Like, we could go all through scripture, we won't, but like Psalm 127 says, unless, someone say unless, that unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, they labor in vain. That unless the Lord is the one guarding and sustaining the city, those who stay awake, they stay awake and watch in vain. Zechariah 4, 6 says, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. The, the apostle Paul writes in 1st or 2nd Corinthians 3, I believe 5 or 6, he says, we plant, we water, but it's God who brings the increase. So, so God's the one that brings fruitfulness. And the Bible says the results of this lifestyle, the, the results of this kind of community life was that God was adding to the church daily. Were they in the streets, if you will, preaching and teaching the gospel? Absolutely. But that wasn't, that wasn't the only ingredient. No, I, I believe we'll see today the key ingredients were the community life that they were living. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. A title of my sermon today is, I want Bible days. I want Bible days. Um, have you ever read the Bible before? And you read a passage or you read a scripture and thought, man, that'd be so cool if that happened like t today. Like, maybe I'm the only one, but I read passages like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Like I was actually thinking about that this past year. Um, not that I'm trying to jump in any kind of a fire, but we were at a bonfire and I'm like, man, like what if someone just fell in? but they didn't even smell like smoke. That'd be crazy. Because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, like that's their story. What about Daniel in the lion's den? What about stories like Noah and the ark? What about just going, going to the New Testament, passages where people who are dead are being raised to life again. Limbs are growing out. Acts chapter three, uh, Peter is going to the temple and, and, and the Bible says, there, there was a lame man. He's like, I need money. And Peter's like, we don't got any money, but what we do have, we can give you in the name of Jesus, right? What, wouldn't it be so cool if what happened in the Bible actually happened today? But the reality is that the ingredient to Bible days is to simply do what the Bible says. Is it easy? No, but it's certainly not complex. We, we have passages like Acts chapter 10, verse 34 through 35, where Peter goes, in truth, I perceive anyone, someone say anyone, anyone who will work righteousness. In other words, anyone who will simply do what God has asked and commanded them to do, God will do for, for them what he's done for any other. Galatians chapter two, the apostle Paul's writing and he goes, man, here's the reality. God shows personal favoritism to no one. God doesn't have favorites. God doesn't play favorites. God shows personal favoritism to, to no one. And he says the same spirit of God that was working in Peter for his ministry is working in me for my, my ministry. In other words, God, God doesn't have personal favoritism, but anyone who's willing to say, God, I'm going to align myself with your ways. I'm going to open my heart up to you. God will do for them what he's done for, for anyone. 
Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47, again, we see this community life. And I want to read to you this quote from Matthew Henry. This quote from Matthew Henry, um, a late scholar from his commentary, he, he writes this. We often speak of the primitive church and appeal to it and to the history of it. In these verses, we have the history of the truly primitive church or the first days of it. Listen to this. It's state of infancy indeed, but like that, the state of its greatest innocence. The state of its greatest innocence. What we see in Acts chapter 2 verse 42 is the organic church. Why is everyone trying to eat organic food? It's food with no additives. It's something the way it was intended to be. It was something the way God designed it to be. And and we want to eat organic food because we want all the value out of that strawberry God intended us us to get. But what we see here in Acts chapter 2, it's, well, it's the church with no additives. Uh, listen, I'm glad for, that we have technology. And I'm glad that we have made progress in terms of, you know, a number of areas in the church. And I'm all for the things that we do as long as they do not distract and take away from the essentials. What we see in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, I just want to give you this, are three essentials, three essentials that I see that I believe if we will give ourselves to, that we will unlock the, 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 the flow of God's spirit in a way that will cause fruitfulness to come. Number one, the first thing I see is this, is I see a devotion or, or a commitment, a continuing in the apostles' doctrine. The Apostles' Doctrine. Uh, Brandon, what in the world is the Apostles' Doctrine? Uh, have you ever been tested before on the spot and um, you, you got a little nervous? I was uh, studying for the sermon on Monday and a friend of mine called me um, who is uh, a, a the- theologian in, in the making. He's currently studying theology at Fuller Seminary. And he said, what are you preaching? I'm like, oh, I'm preaching. I was telling him and he goes, oh, okay, right now, right now. You went to Bible college. Give me your Bible college master's degree definition of apostles' doctrine. Go. And I was like, I, are you going to judge me by your... He's like, no, just, just go. What's the apostles' doctrine? The apostles' doctrine, let's start here. Who are the apostles? The apostles are the early pastors and planters of the, of the local church community. They were those who actually physically walked with Jesus, the Bible says in Matthew 28, 19 through 20, Jesus says to these apostles, these men who would lead, who would pastor, who would plant these local church communities, he says, I want you to go into all the world and make disciples and teach them the things that I, I've commanded you. I want you to go into all the world and I want you to teach them the things that I have commanded you. The apostles' doctrine, it is the passing or the handing down of the teachings, the words and the ways of Jesus to the early church. This, by the way, in case you didn't know, this is the New Testament. The New Testament primarily is made up of letters that were written from these apostles to local church communities, the apostles' teaching. There's three, three things that are, that are distinctive about this. Number one is that the apostles' teaching, the apostles' doctrine, it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. So they they weren't just passing down their version. They weren't just passing down what, what, what they experienced and their perception of it. No, the Bible says 2 Timothy 2, 3, 16. 
16 through 17, 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, that these teachings, they were inspired by God. They were inspired by the Holy Spirit. Yes, they were being taught by man, but they were not the words of man. They were the, the words of God. A second thing that we, we have to understand is the apostles' doctrine. It was verifiable by scripture that was currently already in print, if you will. Well, we see this in the book of Acts, that there's a certain passage where they're, they're teaching and, and uh, the, the, the writer says, these receive the word, and not only did they receive it, but they searched the scriptures daily to verify and see if this is really what, really what, what God was saying. The, the, the third thing is that the apostles' doctrine, the apostles' teaching, while the Holy Spirit inspires it and speaks to us today, real time, right where we are, it was contextualized to the local church community that it was being written to. Every book has different distinguishing factors, different tones, if you will, because the apostles' doctrine, it was the passing or the handing down of the teachings of Jesus contextualized to the community it was being written to. And here's what the Bible said, this early church, this primitive, this organic church, they were devoted. They continued steadfastly in, in the apostles' doctrine. You know what I see a primary in, ingredient for, for, for this early church was that they had a passion and a commitment to the word of God. This is, this is not new. We talk about this, we talk about, about this so often. They have this, this, this love, this passion, this thing we talk about that we should be devoted to the, to, to the word of God. But, but, but I want to just take one, one, one more step. I, I think as, as we interpret this and, and seek to apply it to our life, that we have to do it in, in a twofold fashion. Number one is we, we have to realize that, God, you're calling me to have a devotion to, to, to your word. You know, that, that's part of like being full. Uh, this is something Pastor Gill sa sa says often, but why is it in any trade, in any field, if you've been on the job for, let's say, five, 10 years, and someone asks you a question, you're like, bro, I don't even know, that's not acceptable. You, you have been in this work for 10 years. That'd be like we have so many uh, people at our church that are uh, music teachers. That'd be like me going to uh, Matthew Johnson and be like, Matthew, can you help me understand how to get better at guitar? And him going, bro, I have no idea. What, what do you mean? Like you studied this. You went to school for this. You've been teaching for how. But why is that acceptable in our relationship with God? Hey, man, I'm, I'm, I, I got this issue. I'm going through this. And, and all of a sudden we stutter step. Ah, I'm not really sure. I don't, I'm not really qualified. Part of us being full is having a heart that is full of God's word, a library ready for the Holy Spirit to pull books off in moment, in time, in season, to share words of encouragement and scripture and advice and, 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 and the, the words of God with people. Secondly, though, in the way that I think that, that we, we, we can interpret this is that this, this was a people that they were devoted to the word of God that was being passed down to, to them. Listen to the words of Paul, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I believe it is. Um, I'm sorry, chapter four, verse 15. He says, for though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I 
urge you, imitate me. Those are strong words from the Apostle Paul. Writing to this, this church at Corinth, which by the way, scholars would, would say today that the, the church of Corinth is probably the closest replication we have to the, to the American church right now. And one of their main issues is they had lots of access to lots of ideas and lots of teachings from lots of different directions. The Apostle Paul goes, hey, hey, hey. Um, I'm, I'm urging you to recognize other portions of this, of this text. He'll say things like, I'm urging you, would you just say the same thing? Would you stay unified? Hey, would you guys stay moving in one direction? And the Apostle Paul has the audacity to say, listen, you've got thousands of teachers you got thousands of YouTube videos. you got so many tweets to read, but you only have a few spiritual fathers. And then he had the audacity to say this, so why don't you imitate me? You know, one of the things that I, I, I think we miss often is the power of spiritual covering. The importance of recognizing that, that God, you've called me and planted me in a local church community. And part of the reason you've put me in a certain local church community, now, by the way, if you're here and you're like, I don't think that this is my church, totally cool. I would encourage you that you find the church God's planted you in and then you plant your feet. But, but God will, he'll, he'll lead us to local church community and plant our feet right where we need to be because he knows the soil that has the nutrients that we need for our life. It is not accident. It is not coincidence. God will plant you and I in local church community and then place over us spiritual covering. Can I tell you how I, I think we should interpret this? You can write this down, essential number one. It's a commitment to receive and be covered by God's word to our church. What, God, what is it that you're saying through our senior pastor? God, what is it right now that Pastor Gill is preaching and teaching? God, what is it right now that Pastor Gill, as he is studying and praying and seeking God, just like the apostles, God, what is it that you're speaking to our church community? There is power in spiritual covering. But you know what happens so often? It's what the apostle Paul said in the last days. He said, there's going to be people and they got itching ears. And so they're going to be going all different places to find teachings and quotes and inspirational things that suit their, their liking. I'm, I'm certainly not dogging, dogging this app because um, I think it's kind of a cool app. But uh, recently I found this app that was like, it's like an alternative to YouTube for, for sermons. I'm like, that's kind of cool. And so I went, went, went to log in. And, and here's how, how you register for the app. It goes, and I don't know if the order is correct, but something like, something like this. It goes, who are your favorite preachers to listen to? And you, you pick some. How long do you prefer listening to sermons? You pick something. What topics do you enjoy the most? You pick something. What frequency do you, and, you and, and it's this customizable app where you get to hear God's word however you like it, in the way you like it, specifically addressed to the things that you enjoy listening to. 
Now, I, I think there could be great benefit, and I'm all for it, but my point is we live in this culture right now where we've lost the significance of going, God, you've planted me somewhere, and you've covered me under spiritual covering. And so, yes, like I get the whole, it's, it's just Jesus and me, Pastor. You know, I've been spending a lot of time, it's just, it's just Jesus and me. I, like, I, I get that, I'm for that, but we miss that there's another level to this thing. And it's recognizing, God, you've placed me under spiritual covering. And so, Lord, what is the word? What's the instruction? What is the godly instruction and counsel from the pastors and leaders you've placed in my life that will cover me and give me the nutrients I need to be fruitful and flourish and and so that we can keep moving the same direction as a community to see your hand we, we won't read it, but do, do you remember Psalm 133? Do you remember this? It talks about how precious it is when brethren, when local church community stays in unity. It's, it's like the oil, the Bible said, that, that runs down. And the Bible says, conclude Psalm 133, and there. Someone say there. And there God has put his blessing. God, how do we see your hand in a way that that fruitfulness comes and souls saved and disciples are made and God, you're adding to the church daily. We gotta get in unity. And that starts by saying, God, I'm committed to your word and I'm committed to the word that you're speaking to our church. God, you've given me a senior pastor. You've given me spiritual covering. And so God, I submit myself to that. Last scripture I'll read, James chapter one, I believe it is. James chapter one says, therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive, receive with meekness the implanted word. Receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Be doers of the word and hearers, not only so deceiving yourselves. Number two, you can write this down. The second thing I see is that they had a devotion or a commitment to continual community. I, I know we took a lot of time on that first point, so I'll go a little bit quick with this one. But here's the reality. You need community. It's just the reality. You and I, we were made to not grow in isolation, but to grow in the context of community. Now, I'll go just a, a level deeper. You need godly community. If you're a note taker, you can write this down, but I, there are so many scriptures, and we could talk for for hours about this, but I'll give you a couple. Proverbs 12, 26 says, the righteous man. How many by show of hands, you're trying to be a righteous man or woman? This, that's awesome, okay. The righteous man, this is what the Bible says, chooses his friends carefully, knowing the way of the wicked leads them, draws them astray. Proverbs 13, 20 says that he who walks with wise men will be wise, but he who is a companion of fools, he will suffer Harm. The Apostle Paul, New Testament version, 1 Corinthians 15, 33, he says, don't get deceived. Don't get fooled. Bad company will always corrupt good character. I love this scripture, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 through 25. The author writes this, and let us consider one another. Pause real quick. Rhetorical question. How much do you consider your brothers and sisters that are in this community? I consider myself a lot. What do I like? What am I, oh, are you doing that song today, Andrew? Dang, I love that song, Cornerstone. It is the best song. I, I consider my preferences a lot. 
well, you know, the, the way I really like it, the way, but how often do we consider one another? See, the, the, the starting to his writing, when he's, when he's about to encourage you and urge you to like keep your, fa- your feet planted in God's house, it's not just for you, it's for other people. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Next verse, not forsaking, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. One of the characteristics that we see in this early church, this organic church, this church with no additives, The Bible says Acts 2.42, and they continued steadfastly, or they were devoted to the apostles' doctrine and to the breaking of bread and fellowship. Breaking of bread, scholars believe, is a reference to the, the Lord's Supper. So they weren't just continuing in fellowship like, bro, I love my church community. We gather every single week and we watch football. It's amazing. I'm all for that. But 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 don't miss their their community. The the focal point wasn't fantasy football. The focal point wasn't their hobby. The focal point wasn't having, you know, a prayer time that really served as a a session to talk about other people. Their focal point, it was was the finished work of Jesus. Their focal point was, hey, let's gather together and let's, let's partake of the Lord's Supper and remember and remind each other and stir each other up that Jesus, he he is who he said. Like, just think about the context for a second. This, this early church, they believed Jesus was coming back at any time. He, he said, hey, I will be returning. And they were like, cool, he's coming back maybe next week. They, they live with this continual sense of he, he, he's returning. Why, why do you say that? Because he said it. Because I was there. I was standing there when he told us. I was standing there when, when he said to me, I will return. This church, we, we think that we're living in cancel culture. This church was being persecuted. This church was being imprisoned. This, people were being, being arrested and, and people were being martyred and beaten. And so, so why did they gather in community? To remind themselves, to encourage one another. Hey, don't, don't lose heart. Hey, don't, don't you get discouraged. Don't you turn back to your old way of thinking. Don't you turn back to your old way of life. Jesus, re- remember, remember what he said. Remember the moments we shared with him. They were rehearsing and reminding themselves of the finished work of Jesus. That they followed a man who gave his life on the middle cross, who for three days was buried, and then they saw many with actual visible eyes, his resurrection And they heard the words, many of them, I will return. They were committed, devoted to community. We we could go on in Acts chapter 2 and and we could continue to read. We won't, but, but there's verses like they had all things in common. They had all things in common. We talked about this on Wednesday night in in youth. But why is it so often that we we allow our commonality to be surface-level meaningless things? We have so much in common. Like what? We love golf. Cool. Yeah, man, you know, like my, my tribe, my crew, like this is, like they're not really a part of church or anything, but it's like we just, we have so much in common. Like what? We love the Clemson Tigers. Go Tigers. But, but why, do we, why do we minimize the essential thing we have in common? 
I know I'm superimposing youth group on church, but I think some, sometimes it fits. But do you, you know how many students I've heard over the years, even how many parents I've heard give their students out for why they don't value like church community? Well, you know, they just don't have a lot of things in common with, you know, pe- people in the youth group. Like, like the fact that we've all been saved from our sins. Like, like, like the fact that that we've been rescued and redeemed from the curse, like the fact that we've all been called and commissioned to be on mission and on, oh, oh, I'm sorry, what you mean is we don't wear the same kind of clothes and listen to the same music. I guess we don't have a lot in common. Why do we allow our commonality to be so surface level, so temporary, so passing, and we miss? The Bible says they had all things in common. Now, this is my tribe. This is my people. Like, I'm, I'm not exclusive, and I'm not excluding other people, but, but this is the primary place where my feet and my life has been planted. Why? Because this is where God's planted me. Be, be, because my life isn't about just the, the, the zeros in the bank account anymore, because I've been called and planted, and I'm on assignment with a people, with a community, to reach the world that we've been placed in, in this day, in this hour, in this season. Lastly, number three, you can write this down. Essential number two, there's a commitment to continual community. Number three, the third essential I see is that there, there were a people that were continuing or devoted to persistent prayer, to persistent prayer. These devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine. They devoted themselves to the fellowship and the breaking of bread. My feet are planted in this community. And number three, and they continued steadfastly, Acts 2.42 says, in the breaking of bread and in prayers, and in prayers. I want to read you a couple of scriptures, and I'll read them somewhat quickly, kind of all in succession, but Acts 4.31, Acts 4.31, um, Peter and James had just been beaten in prison, told that if they ever spoke of the name of Jesus again, that they'd be imprisoned, and even worse, they would lose their life, possibly. And Peter and James came back, and they were like, you'll never guess what happened. We got to share in the sufferings of Christ. Like, you, you, you'll never guess what happened. It's working. God is amongst us. But it was, it was difficult, and it was challenging. It was trying, and, and, and listen to Acts 4.31. And when they had prayed... The, the early church was like, are you serious? Like, we're living in cancel culture? Hold on real quick. Hold, just hold that thought. I got to get on Facebook and post something. Hold on. Ho, ho, hey, just one second. I got another article and another video that I got to share, and I got to know the, no, the, their response was prayer. Ho, ho, hold on. Wait a minute. We, wh- what happened? Let's, let's pray. And when they prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Their their go-to was prayer. Their their go-to was not just, all right, it's bedtime, kids, let's. Their go-to was, we are living a life of continual, persistent prayer in community. Well, Pastor, Pastor, there's just not a there's just not a lot of you know programs we have right now, you know, for 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 the prayer. Like if you I mean, if you would create something, Pastor, and you would like make a you know a group that I could go to with like prayer points, and like if Spencer was there, I don't even know he could play keys, but if he was there playing keys, and the, then I would really 
we, we in, in the days and weeks and months to come, we, yeah, we, we got to get better at that. But, but when's the last time you just gathered some people together to pray? I mean, we put a lot of responsibility, and I'm not just saying this because I am one, but on pastors and leaders and programming. But, but remember, we, we're the church. When's the last time you called some, some, some friends, called some people that are in this community that you've devoted and you've committed yourself to? And said, hey, would, would you guys just want to come over on Friday? To do what? He's, I was thinking maybe we could just eat some food together and um, maybe, just, maybe just pray. There's a lot going on right now. I mean, there's a lot of things that, that are, can, can we just pray? I, I don't know. I just, I, I sense, hey, were you there on Sunday? Did you said the presence of God was there? Hey, why don't we get together and why don't we pray? And why don't we intercede? And why don't we just believe God that God's going to continue? When's the last time you, you initiated prayer? Acts 12, verse 5, Peter is, he's imprisoned again. Uh, and this time uh, he's most certainly going to die. The Bible says, Peter therefore is kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Ephesians 6, 18, Paul instructs us, we should be praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Colossians 4.2 says, we should continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. What were the essential ingredients of this early church, this organic church, this church with no additives? Well, they were, they were devoted to the apostles' doctrine. I... God, I have to fill my heart. God, I have to, I have to give myself to, to allowing your word to get in my heart. But God, you've, you've also placed me under spiritual covering. God, there are pastors, there are leaders you've placed in my life. And I'm, yes, I want to hear your word, but I want to know, God, what's the word of the Lord for our church? What's the word of the Lord for our community? And how can I get under that? How can I align with that? How can I help that thing move forward? They were planted in community. They were in connect groups. They were in church on Sundays. You know, I just got to pray. You know, you know, Pastor, I'm really praying right now just to know if it's really the season for, for me to really get in in a small room. I'll let this land wherever it lands. But you know what's funny is sometimes we pray about things that God's already given us clear instruction on which I'm, I'm fine with as long as we can just agree. The, the real prayer is, God, is it your will for me to obey the scripture? I'll pray that with you all day because, because we, we know what the Bible says. And, and I'm not saying there's not a time and a season, but I don't know, I'm just, I'm just putting it out there. When's the last time we prayed about other things that distract and pull away from the essential things? Like it might sound silly, but when's the last time you prayed, God, should I really be on my device this much? When's the last time you sought the Lord in prayer? God, should I really be watching this much Netflix? When's the last time, mom and dad, you as a family, you pray, God, is it really the season? Is this really the time for our, do we really have the capacity to do another sport, to do another team? 
When's the last time you prayed? Do I really have time to do another hobby? So we, we don't pray about a lot of things, but then we say, I need to pray to see if it's the season, Pastor, if I should really be in. I'm, I'm just saying we got to put our money where our mouth is and we got to be a little more biblical about stuff. They were devoted. Their feet were planted. Not just because of what I get, but because I have something to give. Because I'm thinking about other people and I'm thinking about those that will be in small group community in this house that God wants for me to encourage and for, for me to speak a word to. And lastly, they were devoted in prayer. I, I, I see three, three applications and then I promise you we're done. We're closing right here. Number one, um, we, we are in two weeks time starting a brand new series called Under Contract. Pastor Gil starting the series and it will launch for us the fall season of Connect Groups and, and our discipleship strategy, how, how, how we're endeavoring to, we're gonna grow in a relationship with God. I would encourage you, number one, like get under this word. Hey, hey God, we're entering a new season. If I'm called here, if I'm planted here, then I'm gonna get under this word. All right, under, Lord, you're leading our senior pastor. It's a season that we need to be reminded and we need to grow in our understanding of the covenant we have with you. I'm, I'm all in. I, I would encourage you to say, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be planted in God's house. I'm gonna be here if at all possible. And I'm gonna get in a small group. I'm gonna get in a connect group. I'm gonna get myself in community if at all possible. Why? Because I have something to give and this is the essential ingredient of the life God's called me to live as a follower of Jesus. And, and thirdly, I would encourage you, this is maybe more organic in nature, but can we just start praying? Can, can we start spending more time praying for our senior pastors and leaders? Can we spend more time praying for one another? Maybe even take more time to pray for our community gatherings before we gather. Maybe take more time to pray for the things that are pressing and going on. Maybe even take more steps of boldness to get out of our seats and to agree in prayer with our prayer and altar team. When we all got stuff going on, why is it sometimes that we, like Spencer was leading us in, we, we hold back stuff? Why don't we just bring it all to God? And we have times like in our worship service, after service, why don't we just start, I'm, 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 gonna, I'm gonna be a person of prayer. I'm, I'm gonna start just going to the altar. I'm gonna start receiving prayer. Why? Because it's an essential ingredient for us that we're people of prayer. Can I pray for you today? And, and here in a moment, as, as I pray, Spencer and Andrew are gonna lead us in one more chorus. Our prayer and altar team would, would be available. I invite you to come and respond. If you have any kind of a need, invite you today to, as we close in prayer, to maybe even just right there in your seat to take a moment. And, and respond to what is it that God is speaking to you? In, in fact, every eye closed and every head bowed. Just for a moment, can we take 30 seconds? And can you ask that question if you don't already know the answer? God, what is it you're speaking to me? God, what's the word? What's the instruction? What's the reminder? What's the correction? What's the encouragement today? again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.